Job chapter 7, verse 1, is there not a time of hard service for man on earth? Are not his days also like the days of a hired man, like a servant who earnestly desires the shade, like a hired man who earnestly looks for his wages? So I've been allotted months of futility, and wearisome nights have been appointed to me. When I lie down, I say, when shall I arise? And the night be ended, for I have had my fill of tossing until dawn. My flesh is cracked with worms and dust. My sin is cracked and breaks out afresh. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the honesty of your word. Honesty that sometimes shakes us and sometimes we need that. Father, if that's the case, we ask that you would shake us up good. We ask that you would get your message into our hearts that would hit home. We ask that the message you have in this passage of scripture would definitely be made clear to us. And whatever we need to do to make our lives right, we ask that we would know what to do and do it before this day is over. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Obviously... These are the words of a man that is suffering and suffering terrible. And I know that we ended on really a dark note when it said, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. Now, I would like to continue reading and find an upswing in the mood of this chapter, but it doesn't happen. It continues to get darker and darker. And you have to understand why. Job had, first of all, suffered financial loss, extreme, catastrophic financial loss. Job was suffering in grief. Job had lost multiple grown children in one catastrophic event. Job was in grief. Job also was experiencing failing health. Now, any one of these typically is a life-changing, life-altering, grinding, hard, dark valley to go through. And Job was experiencing all of these. Now, hopefully, none of us here experience everything that Job is going through. But all of us will experience pain. There is no such thing as somehow saying the magic words or joining the right group, and all of a sudden you can just claim everything you want and it's going to be handed to you, and you'll never hurt, and it'll never be dark, and it'll never be suffering. We live in a world that's broken. There will be suffering. We will hurt. And in his suffering, he does a lot of thinking. Sometimes that's where we do our best thinking, is when things are not going our way. But now we understand, regardless of whether you're in pain or having some good days, Job gives us a passage of scripture, a statement that all of us need to take to heart because he says this, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. And regardless how old we are, how old we aren't, how young you may be, things are going good, things are a little bit on the dark side, this applies to us. Now, I thought, how much better of a way to look at this passage of Scripture than to show you a weaver's shuttle? So I've attempted 
to find a video of a weaver's shuttle. And it will take me longer to set this up than it will take you to watch it. But I want to show you exactly what a weaver's shuttle looks like. Let's see if I can get this to come up. Ancient Hebrew weaving was done exactly like that. They had looms like that as far back as Samson because his hair was tied up to the weaver's loom. You remember the story about that. That's exactly how David was speaking when he said, I mean, Job was speaking when he said, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. Now, two main points this morning, just two points. I'm going to do a two-point sermon and let you catch up on that hour you lost last night, all right? First of all, the unstoppable, unstoppable progress of time. The progression of time is unstoppable. Now, I skipped over to about two minutes and 30 seconds into that video because the first two minutes, it's painstakingly detailed in setting that loom up. And sometimes life seems agonizingly slow. In verse 4, he says, When I lie down, I say, When shall I arise and the night be ended? I've had my fill of tossing until dawn. Isn't that something that Job says, My nights are so long, but my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. When he's talking about days, he's talking about time in general. But sometimes time seems to drag on really slow. If you're going through a valley, time drags on really slow. Especially when you're young, time drags on slow. And that's why young people here can't even identify with this because to you, things can't get here fast enough. I remember when I was just a kid, couldn't wait till Christmas. It would take so long till Christmas came. Then, of course, when school started, as soon as Christmas was over, couldn't wait till summer. Man, couldn't wait till summer. It just seemed long. So I'm going to tell you the longest six weeks of my life I ever spent was between 2.45 and 3 o'clock in the afternoon waiting on that bell to ring. It would take forever. And I'd see the clock up on the wall. And I would make my mind up, and I'm not going to look, I'm not going to look, I'm not going to look. I'm thinking, it's been, it's been weeks. I'm not going to look, I'm looking, oh, three minutes had passed. I mean, I just couldn't wait. I was ready to get out of school. Things seemed to go 
very slow. Then you can't wait till graduation. Then you graduate, and all of a sudden it's like, what roller coaster did I just get on? And you look back two and a half weeks later, and you're going to your 10-year high school reunion. And then you're going to your 20-year high school reunion. And then, you know, just count the decades. And you can't identify sometimes with how fast time goes until you have experienced it. Surprisingly, the years go by very quickly. In fact, if you look in chapter 9, verse 25, Job gets even more detailed. Chapter 9, verse 25, Now my days are swifter than a runner. They flee. They see no good. They pass by like swift ships, like an eagle swooping on its prey. I mean, he gives us three details of how fast life is. Swifter than a runner. Now, the word runner here means a post or a courier. And we know through uh, Esther that the posts or couriers, not only would they run, sometimes they would ride horses like the Pony Express or dromedary camels going across the desert. These guys went fast because the courier was on a uh, commission from the king. He had an assignment to carry a message to the part of the kingdom, and he had to get it there fast. So he would ride a fast horse or a camel, or he'd run as fast as he could go. That's how life can be sometimes, or as an eagle swooping on his prey. Life gets by so quick. You know, there's a purpose for stopping a minute and thinking about how quickly life can get by. In the book of Psalms, chapter 90, David remarks on how fast time gets by, and then he comes to a conclusion. All of us have heard this in the old poetic language of the King James, the three score and ten. In verse 10 of Psalm 90, the days of our lives are 70 years. If by reason of strength they are 80 years, it is soon cut off and we fly away. Now, some of you are thinking 70 years is just ancient, old. And some of you are saying, hey, hey, 70 is not bad. But notice what he said. At that time, the average age span was around 70. And then he said, if by reason of strength somebody lived to be 80, what did he say? It is soon over with. It is soon over with. And I know how it is when it comes to letting go of your parents or your grandparents. They may live to be 85 or 95 or even 105. But if they live to be 105, it's always too soon to say goodbye, isn't it? It's like, where did it go? Where did it go? We understand there's a purpose for this observation. In verse 12 of this same psalm, teach us to number our days. And I like the way the King James says that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. There are other English translations that are a little bit more passive, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Sounds like it would come automatically. It doesn't. 
We don't automatically gain a heart of wisdom. He said, teach us to number our days or to understand that they're limited so that we may apply our hearts to wisdom, to getting a wise, correct perception of time. Because here's the second point. Not only are we looking at the unstoppable progression of time, but the inevitable product of time. And this is interesting that Job would say something about a weaver's shuttle. And I, I showed you this for two reasons. First of all, do you notice how fast that was going through? And he was zipping it right through there. And every time it went through, it, it would deposit a thread. And he was going slower than some weavers that I have seen in other studies. But he wasn't just throwing a, a piece of wood through there. What did we notice when he changed over the thread? That shuttle had thread in it. And every time it passed through, it deposited a thread. Job said, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. So every day the shuttle passes through. But every day it deposits a thread into the overall piece of fabric. And it does, over time, create a piece of fabric. It doesn't just stand alone. That day just doesn't happen and then it's over with. That day begins to create something, which is called our life, the fabric of our life. And if you'll notice, sooner or later, a pattern will emerge. A pattern will emerge concerning the pattern of threads that went through there. And every single pass of the thread contributes to that pattern. And you see, the accumulation of all the days of our life are accumulating into a pattern. Now, this pattern was deliberate on the hands of the, of the man who was weaving that. The shuttle passed through and the pattern was deliberate. A lot of times our lives are like that, are they? A day comes and a day goes and days come and days go and we don't pay attention to what we're doing with our days and we look behind us and realize that is one ugly piece of fabric. I can't believe that my life, all the days of this year or the past decade, that's all that it's accumulated. Look at that pattern. Well, what can we do with that? I can do very little to change the pattern from the past except for a couple of things. The first thing is, I can look at it, and if I look at the pattern of what's happened as the weaver shuttle went in and out of that fabric, and I don't like the pattern, I can make deliberate efforts to change the piece of fabric from here on. The reason that prayer shawl has a pattern in it with blues and yellows and stripes and shapes is because the weaver pays attention to how the threads go back and forth. That takes some effort because days come and days go and sometimes we just want to endure, don't we? We just want to hang on for the ride. But now if we would pay attention to what we're doing with every pass of the weaver's shuttle, then the pattern begins to emerge. The pattern begins to emerge. But now here's one thing that you can do if you're looking at the past pattern of your life and it is getting so unacceptable, 
One thing we can do to change the pattern of our past is found in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. They that are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You see, all of our lives, the Bible said, are as a righteousness like a filthy rag. You know what that meant? That meant literally a dirty garment a stained shirt. All of our righteousnesses as humans are like a piece of fabric that's stained. And notice, obviously, Isaiah uh, knew that God was aware of laundry because he mentions red things that stains. He said, though your sins be as scarlet, I can take that stain out. I can wash it white as snow. And if the fabric of your life is stained with sin, it doesn't have to stay that way. That's one change you can make on what has gone on in the past is you can trust Christ and accept the salvation he so freely offers and paid for on the cross and your fabric of your life will be washed as white as snow. As white as snow. It'll be as wool. What he's talking about is no more stains. And from here on, You've got a clean piece of fabric. But now, that's just where we start. Then we have to ask the question, now what am I going to do with the time I have left? And you might say, be a lot easier to decide if I knew how much time I had left. We are not granted that luxury, are we? All we know is this. Our days are going fast as a weaver's shuttle, and they're clicking off very quickly. And I can't do anything with the pattern behind me if it's not quite satisfactory. But I can learn from it and make the decision to go here forward and make a difference in how that pattern is in my life. In the early 1950s, heart surgery was in its infancy. There became a new procedure available. An artificial heart valve was developed. That artificial heart valve was made out of plastic. And up till then, patients who had heart valve problems that had no hope, they actually had an option. And there was a hospital, I believe, down in Texas that had tried this new procedure. When I'm talking about new procedure, they had only had two survivors. That means there were other people who didn't survive the procedure. Two survivors. There was a gentleman by the name of John Beekman who had severe heart trouble, and it was a compromised valve. And he decided to look into this heart procedure. And they said this, Mr. Beekman, if you survive, you'll be known as survivor number three. If you survive, you'll be known as survivor number three. He decided to take the risk, and he had the surgery. 
And the doctor said this, congratulations, you survived the surgery. We can't make any promises on how many days you have left. We just don't know. This is all very new. Time was ticking away. The clock of his life was literally ticking away. And i tell you why. That heart valve had a little plastic ball in it. And every time your heart beat, it would make a clicking sound. It would make a clicking sound audible to people standing around you. Now, that's pretty disheartening if you're hearing the time of your life ticking away. I mean, heartbeat by heartbeat, tick, 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 tick. I mean, there it went. In fact, he was known to people around him as the man with the ticking heart. Because people could hear his heart ticking. Time was ticking away. John and his wife Elaine had previously devoted their lives to be Wycliffe translators. Wycliffe translators to an indigenous group of people down in the steamy jungles of Mexico. What are you going to do, Mr. Beekman? You don't know how much time you have left. You don't know how long you could last. You got two choices. You could go home and quit and try to hoard up all the time that you have left. Or what did he do? He decided he would make every day he had left count. And he and his wife, Elaine, went back to the steamy jungles of Mexico. They lived in primitive huts. They trampled through those jungles and they met with the people. It was hard, strenuous work. And over time, over 800 people accepted Christ. And of those 800, 100 young men devoted their lives to be pastors and evangelists. And he trained 100 of the indigenous men and translated the Bible into their language. You see, he had the choice. He could count every day that he had left, or he could make every day that he had left count. You see, there's the choice we have. Our days are faster than a weaver's shuttle, and it's inevitable. You can't stop this. It's inevitable that every day passes a thread and is making a fabric that we can't deny. That's the pattern of our lives, what we've done. But we can make a difference with what we do later on. Thankfully, Job did not let the circumstances determine the pattern of his life. Yes, Job was painfully honest. And I think that's a lesson for us to be honest with God when we're talking to him about our hurts. And I think that's a lesson to us that, yes, all of us will go through suffering because Job was a dedicated man. But I want us to read some of the words that he spoke. And I want to look in chapter 12, verse 7. Chapter 12, verse 7. This is the same man that was going through undescribable suffering that he tries to get a grip on in chapter 7. And he says this, But now ask the beasts and they will teach you. And the birds of the air, they will speak to you. 
Speak to the earth and it will teach you and the fish of the sea will explain to you who among these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this. In whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind? Does not the ear test words and the mouth taste food? And the wisdom is with aged men and the length of days understanding. With him are wisdom and strength. He has counsel and understanding. That's Job's testimony of God. Who of these does not know? The whole world knows that in the hand of God is the life of every living thing. God's still on the throne. His life was in the valley, but God is still on the throne. He also gives us a good concept, an overall description of the big picture in chapter 19, verse 23. Chapter 19, verse 23. Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. That they were engraved on a rock with an iron pen and lead forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives. He will stand at last on the earth. After my skin is destroyed, this I know. In my flesh I shall see God. And I'll see him for myself. My eyes will behold and not another. What a testimony. You might say, well... Didn't everything turn out for Job? This was way before things started turning up. The same Job in the same valley he was in in chapter 7 is the same valley he's in in chapter 9 and chapter 19. What made the difference? What made the difference is this. The pattern of Job's life was not determined by the circumstances surrounding him, it was determined by his focus on his master. And there is where we are. What will we do with every day? It's coming and going whether we like it or not. What will we do with the time we have left? Will we just count our remaining days? Or are we going to make them count? The start is to know Jesus Christ. Wash your life as clean and then from there, we go and dedicate our lives to making each day count. I don't know what decision you might need to make, but if there's a pattern in your life you're not liking, this is a good day to make a, a commitment to God and pray for help to make a difference in the future. Whatever you need to do for the Lord, let's do it as we stand and sing. What Number 99.